fit the official. Yeah, I like that one. It's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Ready? Mm-hmm. Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we enjoy two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am David Gurney and I'm here with... Carlos Cooper. And, and I'm, I'm Joe Hilliard. All right. And today we're going to get our glasses filled to start uh, with something that Joe's brought for us. Well, yeah, you know, it's a lot of times that we'll drink a bunch of beers uh, from an unnamed uh, beer delivery service from all over the country because we like looking for the next awesome thing that's not in our neck of the woods. We like new and different. We do, but then you go to your local grocer, your local uh, package store, and you'll find beers that uh, we probably get even down in our neck of the woods. And one of them... We brought this one because it's probably available in your market. And it's also considered by the American Home Brewers Association for three years in a row now. One of, if not the best, IPA in America. You make that a bold statement. It's from Bell's Brewing. I'm sure you've had it. It's two-hearted ale. It's an American IPA. It's a 7.0 ABV. And, of course, they are out of Comstock, Michigan. I'm assuming you guys have all had this one before. Of course they're out of Comstock. Where the fuck is Comstock? <laughs> you don't know? Yeah. No, I, I have had it before. In fact, this is so... I we, never have. Up until, I guess it was two or three years ago, we did not get Bells down here. They, they significantly right. expanded and uh, expanded their distribution down to Texas and many other states. Um, so now what you were saying, Joe, is accurate, mm-hmm. that you can get it anywhere. But for a long time before that, it was actually kind of hard. And, and this was one of those sought-after beers for a while. If like, you're going to put it on the top of the list, I want to taste it. Right. This is one that uh, people were really excited. And and generally, it's it's always delivered. So, But it has been probably two or three years since I've had it. So I'm excited to... Uh, Touch back on it. Uh, guys, the best IPA you can drink in America. We'll see. Mm. Uh, well, in, in fact, Joe, just it's the best beer. That that's the, on the Home Brewers Association. They they've just voted. Oh, it's not, it's even, not even style. style. It's just their favorite. I see beer. it on. Well, then you know you know these list makers. And yeah. they're usually clickbaiters, and Thrill they're going to grab from this and this and mm. this, and, uh, and they're it calling shows up this. a lot. Yeah, yeah it does yeah. shows up a lot. I thought we'd give it a taste today. Absolutely. While we discuss a film that maybe didn't come or isn't at your theater, Carlos, what's going on? Yeah, we are talking about a film called The Art of Self Defense. Um, and it stars Jesse Eisenberg. Your boy. Uh, yeah, my dude. Yeah. Um, we, we've talked about him before. Oh, yeah. Zombieland. I, I like him yeah. a lot. Adventureland, uh, one of your favorite films. Yeah, I do love Adventureland. Oh, Zombieland 2 coming soon. Trailers look very promising in my Double opinion. Um, do we know who the director is on this bad boy? Um, on this, Riley Stearns. Riley Stearns. This is the second feature from Riley okay. Stearns. And this is a movie about a very kind of... Milk toast? Yeah, quaint... The man uh, that is mugged somewhat violently and then turns not to, or he tries to turn to like brandishing or to yeah. like carrying a firearm. Purchasing a, uh, purchasing but, a weapon. Uh, yeah. There's a wait list. And then he finds karate as a way to make himself feel more masculine, more able to protect himself, things of that nature. Right. And then uh, some other events unfold. And uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole film. Yeah. It's a modest scale film right i mean it's it's a i don't know exactly what the budget was but it's clearly a, a small independent yeah um and limited release what joe was saying that you know this may not be one that's playing at your local multiplex we are we were lucky enough to get it uh for a week here 
Just a um, week? Yeah, I think it's gone okay. already. Well, no, actually, I, I think it, I think it may be down to like a couple screenings a day. But yes, I think maybe it stuck around. Um, but it's not it's not wide release, and it probably no. won't expand too much further. Um, but nonetheless, uh, one that from the trailer we were all kind of interested enough to to want to check this one out. And uh, and again, knowing Jesse Eisenberg, yeah, um, the the other maybe notable star, Imogen Poots, uh, is love in it. her. So um, so anyway, we, we we get this film. What, what are we thinking? What's last episode we talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I know that in that episode I. Um, griped i guess about the pacing of that movie yeah um now as opposed to the order in which these episodes are releasing i saw the films in the opposite order me too right so i saw art of self-defense first and then once upon a time and during the art of self-defense and just as we talked about in the last episode and i'll reference it again in the roma episode we talked about films being released on streaming services versus in theaters and the disservice in that that can do at times so if anyone has listened to our room episode and remembers that, I turned that movie off because I got so bored that I couldn't finish it. And I was like, whatever, I'm fucking done with this. Had I been watching Art of Self-Defense on Netflix, I would have turned it off. Okay. Because it is at a crawling pace for a good chunk of the film, just as I kind of felt Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was very poorly paced. It was very slow at a certain point. But this movie is actually a very interesting... That would have been a bad decision. Yeah, if it had just been released right. on streaming services, I would not have gotten through mm-hmm. it. But sitting in the theater, I was like, "Well, I'm not going to get up." Like, you know, I, I ordered a beer and like I paid for the ticket mm-hmm. and like what you know, I'll just you know, what else am I going to do? I'm just going to go home and like watch you know something I've already seen on Netflix, like, you know, the fucking Office or some shit like that. Inglorious Bastards mm-hmm. again, yeah, again for the two hundredth time. Anyway, so um, but I man, this this movie is a really interesting study of the harmful aspects of the patriarchy on men, Mm -hmm. which I don't know. Maybe that's kind of problematic that like, okay, the patriarchy, men have it so easy. Like they just breeze through and like whatever the world is set up for them. And now we're going to focus on how it hurts. And, you know, I don't, but it's, but it is an interesting perspective because normally, you know, when you talk about something like that, when you talk about a male dominated society, Obvious, it's clearly harmful well, to win. It's clearly harmful to women yeah. because they're, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. A, a, you know, especially more in the past, and we're trying to get a little bit better, but they're treated as second class citizens. Yeah. But all of those things have a negative impact on men as well. And this film really kind of focuses on the hyper masculinity and the damage that that right. can cause mm-hmm. to the male psyche and us trying to, as men, thinking of like, oh, this is what we're supposed to be. I'm not that. Right. intrinsically like innately but, and like that kind of thing not and, in an oh woe is me way though no 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 no, th- no that's where like i understand where you're coming from earlier saying like oh do we really need a film about how tough masculinity is on men yeah and yes that is a theme of this film but it's not doing it in a way that's like we're gonna feel sorry for men for having no have, yeah, i yeah i agree with that but 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 it is also like a, a well-balanced film as well because even though Imogen Poots' character is the, really the only female character in the film. And, and there just aren't that many characters, dojo. period. But yeah, yes, there's she, not, yeah. She's but, been at this dojo since the first day that it opened. Yeah. And she can't reach the levels in her belt color. She can't get to black belt because she's a woman and there's all these and things. And they tell her. Yeah, there's all these things the sensei says about her and being a woman and mm-hmm. how that's like. Even though she may be the most talented it, person in the world. In fact, exactly. isn't, there, isn't there an actual line where later in the film he says, 
she I can just, never be I've a I've realized yeah. she'll never be a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> right. no, 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 he says that. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and we'll get to the fact that he says that so directly mm. in a second, but... Be, but you know, you know, she's the only female character, and that's obviously very intentional because it's you know about the patriarchy and hypermasculinity. So it makes sense mm-hmm. that you would just have, you would play into that stereotype of having the token female character mm-hmm. in a way that's impactful, which I think it was. But it also shows how it's harmful to her as well, and you know, so it, so it is kind of balanced. But it but it really is a study in how detrimental the patriarchy is to society as a whole, but more so towards men than maybe what we've seen in the past. And, but I think the real thing that we need to talk about at the jump is Ooh. the tone. Yeah. Because it is so deadpan yeah. and straightforward. And like, I was talking to somebody about this last night about this film, because I, I was talking to a group of people that had not heard of it, mm-hmm. that didn't know anything about it. Sure. It's a, it's a very small film. Yeah. And so I was trying to describe it in a way that didn't really give anything away and like whatever. And Kylie was with me, my wife, whenever we were talking about it, and we saw it together, and we talked about the tone. Mm-hmm. And I, so I was like, you know, addressing this group of people, and I was like, look, you know, Jesse Eisenberg's a star. We know the kid can act, or the man can act. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've seen the Social Network. He can be as natural and as fluid and sure. as like, you know, charismatic as he wants to be in a certain way. Lex um, Luthor. Oh yeah, Lex Luthor. I mean, he I can mean, go over the top if required. He can, but but. But the way he plays Zuckerberg is very like, mm-hmm. you know, and like everything feels natural, and it's like, yeah, you know, it I feels mean, natural. But then in again, an Aaron Zuck- Sorkin kind of uh, way. Well, also, but also, I was going to say, but Zuckerberg's kind of a weird robotic human. So he is, but there, there's something. But I, but he's a great actor. He don't is. get me wrong. He has certain kinds of roles that I think he, he can excels play. At, I yeah. haven't seen him in something that's really pushed him into a different. You're register. right. No, no, he. He hasn't done anything transformative. And I don't know that he has to. I'm no. just there's enough roles out there for a guy like him. Yeah, so, but yeah. but the reason that I mentioned that was because in this movie, he's so he is he plays a guy reading lines. You know, like it, like when I'm watching the movie, I'm thinking like, okay, Jesse Eisenberg is like, and now I'm going to read this line from the script. And like is that how you felt? Because it's so very much like, okay, I want to do karate. I want to do, you know. And, I, and, but everybody in the I film read talks him, that way. I read him as a character that was somewhere on the spectrum. That, that's, that is how, because he doesn't know how to interact with people. Yeah. Like you have those, there, there's a couple scenes that happen throughout the film where he's in this like break room area. Yeah. And there are these Ever. guys at the table who are having like regular bro, <laughs> bro talk, bro talk, yeah, yeah, right? locker room talk, yeah, locker room talk. <laughs> that is, yeah, right. That that is as vile as you would think it, yeah. it needs to be. And you know, he tries to insert sadly himself accurate. in that. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, luckily, I don't find myself in those locker room situations. Well, you're the Jesse I'm aware Eisenberg enough, yes, in, in the room. Right. <laughs> but then, <laughs> maybe I am. Dave Gurney playing Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, he would be great at playing me. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, he, he could, do, he could yeah. do me. Dies um, hair he could barkingly laugh in a movie. Oh, easily, <laughs> easily. Yeah, he could go. Oh, oh, God, mother. Yeah, right. Um, so he, but he like tries to insert himself into their conversations, and even when he wins them over, yeah. he's too blunt and weird and stilted about it. Yeah, so but I, everybody's I saying, like that though. Not like, everybody. Uh, uh, no, no. I was no. going to say that was the difference. The sensei has like a smoothness about the way he, that he he does, but he but he wears his misogyny on his sleeve and oh he's, yeah and when and so like whether so like in a more nuanced film you would maybe have this kind of underlying like 
this underlying misogyny that comes from and that right, we experience right, today that right, comes right. from just being brought up a certain way and yeah. for uh, you know thinking men are supposed to be this women are supposed to be this but rather than doing that he goes she'll never be a black belt she's a woman in this because she cannot hit as hard right. her brain is not as big and like you right. know they just come out right up front and say those things yeah you know i mean it takes it it does take a little while to get there where he's being that blunt but yes you're right at a, at a yeah, certain yeah. point it's kind of where you know i i would put it to where he has that conversation with eisenberg with with uh, the casey character that eisenberg plays where he's asking him about like well what music do you listen to now and, you're listening to heavy metal yeah no Right, he doesn't it's even the say most now. masculine because he says what he says. Adult contemporary is my favorite genre, and he's like, no, metal, metal is a, you know you're gonna listen to metal, metal is the most masculine, masculine music. Right. Yeah. And what kind of dog do you have? A dog. Germanic. Okay, you're you like Germany. You're gonna go after Germany. Yeah. You know, like he that's a masculine country. They yeah. have a very masculine character. Russia. Yeah. They have it. You know. So he yes, he is very overt. I mean, I think that's something. There is a stylization in this film. For sure. This, this film is stylized. Yeah. The, the pacing is very deliberate. Like It's you, subtly stylized, saying, though. It's yeah, not no, stylized it's not, in a way that, like... It's not a Wes Anderson film. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not that kind of visual stylization. It's more in terms of the dialogue. The performance. The performance, the pacing. Like you say, it's very dry. The characters don't react in ways that you would expect them to. Like, the gun store scene. Yeah. That what happens very early on. The gun store owner starts r- rattling off these very damning sort of statistics yeah. about oh do you <laughs> happen to have a child yeah. because if you have a gun in the house it's like five times more likely that your child is going to kill themselves yeah. or, you know like so rattling off these well statistics. that's just that's social. and he that's... doesn't and he doesn't react you know he's just no, kind of no. like oh okay you know no, i don't have a child so that will not be a problem right right exactly yeah. so you know there is this kind of weird um you know other alternate universe it's, feel to it's a, it's a world in which everybody is aware of the facts and is not emotionally mm-hmm. skewing their perspective on things well, it's right. almost like they want to make a parody of where so social fact. activism on the sleeve i mean there's no doubt that this film is about the perils of like a toxic masculinity that's mm-hmm. what the film is about there's uh, they they say it overtly they say it uh, uh, between the lines but at the same time that means that while we're here and while you would expect this character to go looking for a firearm, which he's probably not trained, able, not to in his nature. nature. I mean, he, he asked are, for it. I want a gun that fits in my hand. Do you mean a handgun? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so, so that sounds like what got, I'm looking for. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> since we're doing our social commentary on our sleeves, let's go ahead and do some social commentary on our sleeves about gun ownership and the and guns and how that's probably maybe not the correct answer for everybody. Yeah. So. Okay, so in this movie, you there's have, a twist. Yeah, well, so you have a guy. He goes into this, and there's this night class element. The night class is right. incredibly more day violent. class and night class. Yeah, the night class is incredibly violent. It's very like um, winner take all. Yeah. Well, but, the first one he goes to the female almost student. kills a guy. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah. Like brings a man almost to death. Like yeah. is, is just, who then is awarded a black belt later on, which is a whole other thing. The man is. The man not Well the no, the the man had already just been. She did it in oh, kind of retribution. Okay. That's right, you're right. Yes. You're right. You're so right. The, but but still like she hasn't been awarded and she doesn't get awarded. And she's after not going that, to right? she's not going to um but but that is yes. So that like establishes the stakes. Okay, this night class is very and it's almost cult like right yeah, I mean yeah, one, yeah. once you get there you kind of realize because oh, you have the black stripe on your belt that says you're allowed in the night and then you realize the red there's also this red stripe which initially one of the other students tells the Jesse Eisenberg character Casey. that it is uh, there for teachers 
right? Because the female yeah. student has it, and she teaches a day class for students well, for no, but, children. But at, but at first he says, "Oh, it means you've taken another I've life," taken and then life. he's like, "Ah ha ha, just right. kidding, just it's for kidding, teachers." It's for teachers, yeah. But then it really, but it is. was because yeah. you've taken <laughs> it really is because you've taken another life. But okay, so the thing that I find the most interesting about this, okay, so Jesse Eisenberg at the beginning of the film, like I said, he's jumped, but he's jumped by this gang of motorcycles that are always motorcyclists that are always wearing their helmets. You never see their anonymous, faces. Right. Yeah, anonymous is very scary. Mm-hmm. They've been on this rampage. A lot of other people have been mugged. Yada yada yada. Yeah. And so then for most of the film we're looking at him and how this experience has affected him and how now him trying to be the more traditionally masculine person is harmful for him and yada 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 all that kind of thing but then what we find out at the end the twist of the movie is that it's this dojo that he has found himself a part of that is committing these heinous acts the night class guys the night class guys and it's the sensei who's leading this charge which is just to to, to create business for themselves. No, actually. I believe that's what it was about. No, okay, so I can see why you would think that. Mm-hmm. But my perspective on it, and there's a very, and it's very, very subtle, the moment that makes me think this. But when Jesse Eisenberg's character starts getting very suspicious about the night class thing and about the guy and all that stuff when he's like doing his bookkeeping and all that, mm-hmm. he's like going through his desk and you see a picture of Sensei with a woman in right. a wedding type of situation. Mm-hmm. My interpretation of this film is that the sensei was married happily to a woman who was then killed in a very unfortunate, violent circumstance. And he... Began training. He began training and he internalized that toxic masculinity in order to say, okay, I have to be able to protect myself and the people around me. So this is what I'm going to do. And then once he did that thought, oh, this was for the betterment of myself, it is now my job to inflict that same kind of situation on somebody else so that they can then in turn become the best versions of themselves just like I did. Mm -hmm. And so then he's going around doing that to people, Jesse Eisenberg's character included, in in his mind saying, if I commit this heinous act against somebody else, they can take that terrible situation and turn their lives around for the better. Potentially, although when you see that recording of the incident with Jesse Eisenberg, he seems ready to kill him. Right? Isn't he the one who says, like, oh, he'll never, no, he'll never be able to do it. And it's the the, um, Imogene Poots character, Anna, who says, oh, wait, the sirens. We need to go. Well, the way that I remember that scene, and I don't remember Sensei saying as much, but the guy who is awarded black belt that the female character almost kills. Right. He's about to kill Jesse Eisenberg. Right. And... Imogen Poots' character is trying to get him to stop, and he right, says, but I and thought, he says, "You're not the only one that deserves a red stripe. Like I should be able to get my right, red stripe too." Right. And it, I think the sensei is complicit in it. And I thought like, the sensei was egging him on to, to do see, it. But it, but I don't I don't remember him. He might have egged him on. Yeah. And I don't. But I don't no, I agree. That, I think there is. Sorry. The basic concept that he is doing these to be these either life changing events or them earning their red stripes. Yeah. That that seems clear. I mean, whether or not like that is exactly what happened in his case. We don't know. Was the master, right? What, what do they call sensei. the guy? Master? No, just call him Sensei. No, the one on the wall. The one oh, the Grandmaster. The Grandmaster, thank you. That, um, that killed somebody by punching his index finger through their skull. <laughs> right, yeah. which, which which kind of comes up later as, yeah. you know, the Jesse Eisenberg character in a saying funny he's way. learned the move, right? <laughs> when he's using By shooting him in the um, head. <laughs> which then gets you to question like, oh, is that what Master, no, you know, but, Grandmaster did? I'm, but I'm glad we got to this point because... I loved the okay, so at the end, spoiler alert, uh, Jesse is... Eisenberg challenges Sensei to a battle, like a fight to the death. Yeah. And right as they're about to start 
hand-to-hand combat fighting each other, Jesse Eisenberg shoots him in the forehead. With the gun that he's been waiting on with the waiting period. Which is a is a moment that I particularly liked because... <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why. Because, because instead of making it about... Instead of making the film more about a commentary on like the evils of gun ownership and like how we'd be more you know the world would be more violent if we had guns and it was easier to get guns or whatever what it says at that point is that the guns are not the problem is that the violence and the society of violence that we've created for ourselves begets more violence mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if there's a wait period and you begin ownership. to look for whatever kind of of advantage you can have in yeah. that kind of situation yeah it, it doesn't matter right. if there's a wait period if you're on not a your... muscular karate guy you can go get a gun it, yeah well it's not even that. it's like whether or not there's a wait list on gun ownership or whether there's a background check or a screening process or whatever the people that want to enact violence against other people will find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a gun or it's a knife or whether they... Motorcycle gang. Yeah. You know? Together, yeah. And so it's it, it's really a commentary on toxic masculinity, the culture of violence that that creates, mm-hmm. and how, by any means necessary, that culture of violence will perpetuate itself in any way it can find. Mm-hmm. You know? And I thought that was a particularly clever kind of wrap-up at the end of it. Yeah, to really I, I drive agree. the point. I agree. Home. I think there's something interesting there, and and the fact that it isn't him dismantling the dojo; it's him no. reorganizing the dojo. Yeah. It's him, you know, installing yeah, Anna the as the leader who he trusts more to be a fair and equitable leader, and one who's going to have people practicing the martial art, the the karate, for the benefit of their well being, and not to inflict pain on others, and not to mm-hmm. um, needlessly, although. I did question that a little bit because she has a red stripe and she's shown her anger. <laughs> and I'm like, is she the best choice now? But if For it sure. would be a better choice, I don't know. But but at the very least, like I think his idea is there's something of value here for us to be doing it is helpful for us to have this, and it's good to have some sort of control in your life and, the, and this thing that you can do. Um, but that you know, the, it's a tool, and it's something that can be misused or it could be used properly. And and it's really kind of like their choice how they do it right yeah what are you thinking joe you, you you've been a little well quiet. i mean i hearken back to the episode we recorded uh, last week about you know once upon a time in hollywood right and how even in that conversation we can like this tarantino film more than that tarantino film i enjoyed watching this film very much i felt that the message was on the nose when the when the uh motorcycle gang was um Attacking him at the very beginning, I, I, I knew that it was the dojo, you yeah. know, the moment that it all kind of began to you come did. Okay. together. I, I didn't. I, I will cop to I didn't, and I should have. Right. But. I didn't know it was the dojo right away, mm-hmm. but I started to suspect it as the night class stuff started happening. Right. Yeah. Right. I was probably about the same time. I was like, yeah. okay, he's going to find out that, yeah. you know, whatever. And they're going to have to um, uh, make it. Uh, an acceptable thing for him yeah. to be a part of right. because he was the victim of that violence at the very beginning of the film. Uh, I enjoyed the entire dog angle and how uh, <laughs> the dog was how his dog is a typical stay at inside the house dog right, while he's yeah. at work, but it's not a masculine dog. And yeah. so the moment that he's on this trip and the, he begins to kind of neglect his dog a little bit, you can see mm-hmm. that occur. And he can't go out anymore because he's so phobic of leaving the house to get dog food because that was the task he was on when he was originally <laughs> mugged. Right. The the kick with your foot, punch with your... I laughed or, a lot. The, the punch, punch with, with your foot, foot kick, kick with, with your, your hand. hand. Yeah, I, I laughed a lot funny. during the movie, but... 
you know, there's going to be a Tarantino movie that comes along every once in a while that isn't the thing that you want to put on again and again and again, even though you enjoyed it. And I felt that way about this movie. I enjoyed Jesse uh, Jesse Eisenberg a lot. Yeah. I would suggest you watch Squid and the Whale if you haven't seen it tonight. Never seen it. But it's at the good. same time, this is a Noah good... Bombach? Yeah. Yeah. Good Jesse Eisenberg movie. One I think I'll probably never think about again See, I, after today. Yeah. I it, it, No, that's a good point. Good I mean, movie. Fun, dry comedy. If you want to see a movie that it's got some elements in it that you've never seen before, you'll enjoy this. But yeah, I I like this a lot. Um, I would say I think you know, especially in contrast with the film we we were talking about last week, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where I was talking about how I'm at this point in my movie watching. It, I'm I'm trying to be a little more introspective about what I get out of these scenes of violence, mm-hmm. and there was no point in this film where I felt happy about any of the violence not I was at not all. laughing not at, at any of this you know oh no they, they his his mugging is brutal. brutal yes and if you've been a victim of violence yeah it's 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 not comfortable right right so <laughs> <laughs> to say the least so this so i can appreciate that it's it is interesting seeing these films close to one another as we just have that i feel like okay i it's almost like a good corrective for me to see mm-hmm. okay this this is showing me some of the cost of violence versus the fantasy of violence which um you know again i'm not gonna say like the I'm not going to deny myself those fantasy of violence mm-hmm. moments. Those are a big part of what we see. I mean, by God, if I'm going to say that about Quentin Tarantino, I got to say it about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? I mean, that's Fast and Furious. We spent you can so never watch much, a horror right? movie ever again, right? Yeah. So I'm certainly willing, but I almost feel like I need these kind of films that are a bit more thoughtful yeah. and getting me okay. to kind of probe that, like the reality of it, sure. which is in a weird way, because as we were talking about earlier, this isn't a realistic film. Like no. there's something very weird about the dialogue, weird yeah. about the performances that sort of- It's a universe it built for a just little these apart. people. Yeah. But then it does actually probe these things about violence and masculinity in a way that I don't think you really get too much in a lot of Hollywood films, and this isn't a Hollywood film, right? right. This is this is an indie. So, um, so I, I really appreciate it for what it does. Yeah, is this something that I'm going to be putting on all the time? I don't think so. But no, it's this not a is, rewatch. But Riley Stearns, I am very interested okay. in, in what this guy makes. I need to see his first film. I haven't. It's called I Fault. Um, I need to look that up and and see it. And I'm excited for whatever is going to come out next because I do think this shows a filmmaker who's very thoughtful and. Asking some questions that I don't think a whole lot of filmmakers are right now. We we talked about John Wick three several episodes back. I mean, <laughs> That's fantasy there. violence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fa- for sure. Fantasy violence. The uh, 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 patriarchal character that can kick yeah. anyone's ass and will kick a woman's even, ass if he needs to. Even so much so that currently I'm trying to grow my hair out like John Wick. <laughs> that's my that's my current wow, hair okay. goal. Wow. John Wick. So I mean. I, I love John Wick. 2020 Samson, right here. Uh, yeah. with, uh, so with the hair comes the ability to inflict to the, whoop ass. Yeah, uh, with 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 any tools that are around me. <laughs> Whatever I it guess takes. So yeah, uh, knives, guns, feet. I, horses. But yeah, I mean, I hope that I hope I summed it up okay. No. Great movie, great afternoon at the movies. But I don't think it's going to change yeah. this is, me to agree this, to, to watch it ever again, or yeah, even recommend it. It's not a rewatch movie, you know. As you mentioned before, I will definitely I'm a, recommend. I'm a, it. I'm a big fan okay. of Adventureland, and I've rewatched it over yeah. and over and over again. Right. 
Um, I don't, I mean, I think I may see this movie again, but it's not one that I'm going to be like, oh man, I just want to watch something that's fun and that I love and that's going to like bring me a ton of entertainment. Like, it's not going to be that for me. What I recommend it to people 100%. Yes. Every time I recommend you see this movie. But for me, I mean, I think part of, part of what I liked so much about it was that it was really slow and in the moment I didn't like love that mm-hmm. about it. And like I said, if I was watching on Netflix, I probably would have turned it off, but because it's so slow, you're spending all this time thinking like, okay, where is this going? Like what's happening? Like what's going to, where is this going to lead me? Mm-hmm. And then when you get there and you walk out of the theater, even though it was really on the nose message wise, for me at least, it didn't all kind of hit me or wash over me until I was leaving the theater. And then I was like, wait, no, but this means this and this and this. And like, you know, all of the messaging kind of started to get me at one time. And I started, and it was a movie that I did think very critically about afterwards and that I felt had something to say that I, that I cared for and that I agreed with. One other thing that I really, in terms of the style that I stood out to me was it was weirdly set in this kind I mean, it seemed to be the 90s. It's the 90s It's for the sure. 90s, but it was, it didn't hit me over the head with it. You know, yeah. I mean, it was, there were some technological aspects. like aspects. Nirvana, right, you know, like right, that kind of shit. Right. In fact, the only real popular music yeah. we get in there is when he's listening to some metal in his car, right? I mean, so we, we do get a couple nods there, but it, you know, it's like the phones, um, the lack of cell phones, the yeah, VHS cassettes that they're mm-hmm. shooting on yeah. and all that stuff. The like, big camcorder with the VHS yeah. tape in it. Right. So the, there are these things, the computers that they're using, yeah. like there are these things technologically that sort of tell us it's the 90s, but it doesn't do it in this really overt way. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's it more was subtle. interesting. Uh, and never mind, I lost my train of thought. Right. You, you had said something at the beginning there that made me think of something that I wanted to say about it. I don't remember what it was now. Fuck. Hmm. Man, it's going to come back to me in the second half of the episode. I'm going to be so upset. That's why I should be writing stuff down. Come right. back to it. So, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good movie. Um, I guess the question is, have though. we had the best beer in America today? No. Okay. So. <laughs> See, I, I mean, I think it's a solid... Now, again... Is it the best beer? No. Not for me. Yeah. No, it's not. Is it very Is it a good. solid IPA that I'm happy to have again? Yes. Yeah, of this, course. This is a really good beer. And then when you think about how these lists work, right? I mean, if you're polling people from around the country, well, limited distribution, blah, blah, blah. Is this maybe one of the most widely available good versions of an IPA that you can get out there? I can believe that. I mean, at this point, I, I can't think of an IPA, or really almost any, that um, I know I can get almost anywhere I go that's going to be... I don't think I, I don't think about things as best and worst. I think about my favorites and what's available to me in my community. Right. And I'm going to say, okay, I've been sampling some IPAs over the last few weeks. I got this six-pack, I got that six-pack, and this is my favorite. I don't... And, and I, I rushed out to buy this when I realized, A, it was on these lists, and B, this was about a year ago, and B, that it was available in town. Right. And I was disappointed that day. 
and it's probably the expectation that I'm about to yeah. drink the de- the best beer in America right. comes with. Because there are beers that we've had on this podcast. Don't quiz me right now, please. I can't remember. Over I'm the last six right weeks, now. six episodes that are probably a, an IPA that if I had access to it, I would buy Name before one. I would buy this one. Which one? <laughs> that pop culture. Well, that pop no. culture one uh, in the you last like episode. That, yeah, 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 yeah. that, that was a, a more flavorful thing. Yeah. Than than it's too hard to But I'm not going to shit on this. No. It's okay. No, never. But See, I, it's no. It's not just okay though. It's good. I go. We've I had go, that lunch. Okay. We've had the lunch. Yeah. Not on the ep- not on the podcast yet. Lunch by Main Beer Company, yeah. considered dinner. by many to be the best. Uh, Didn't we have IPA in America? No, we had dinner. Yeah. We've had yeah. thank you 2019. But I would I would I would take lunch over this as the best IPA. But so but, now we're but, getting into the, the, but the, the veracity that, that of gets lists. Us, but that gets us into, but lunch is only available in a very limited market. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean that to, it's better or worse No, but than it means that, that if isn't. people are voting nationwide on something, it's yeah, never yeah. going to be at a top it's, of a list where everybody's voting. Same with Ingenious. Because they don't all oh, get the American Brewer Association. Yeah. That's the American Homebrewers Association. So if we're talking about IPAs that are widely available, I mean, I'm just thinking of it like I roll into town, I'm on a road trip. And I go into a store and I see, okay, what are my selections? Yeah. And if they have a six pack of this, it's a solid choice. I mean, I know yeah. that I'm going to enjoy this. It again, I ha- it's been a couple of years since I've had it. Mm-hmm. It's as good as I remember it being. I I don't know. I, I think do you this know? Is... Do you know it's better than this? That's also widely available. Bell's official hazy IPA. Okay. You know, I've had that official hazy, and I'm a fan as well. It's better than this. You think so? Taste wise. I- yeah, I think it, I think it's better, but I. El Chingon I, is better than that. <laughs> Have you had El Chingona? I, I had, La, La Chingona, but, La Chingona. Uh, but now we're idea. having conversations about the nationwide best versus uh, uh, subjective taste. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, and that's why it's no, we're not talking about stuff. subjective taste. El Chingona is objectively bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a fucking idiot. What do I know? Oh, oh come on, come on, that's, that's not it. That's not it. That's but, not it. No, um, even even my so the the moment I realized mm-hmm. I didn't like El Chingon. Yeah, my wife brought it over to that house I was living in at the time. We uh-huh. were not dating at the time. We were you know any of that stuff. Brought it. I didn't have any of my own beer because I had finished it. And they were like, "Yo, you know, there's." You know, I brought this beer. You can have some if you want. And I was like, well, you know, that's all there is. I'll yeah. go grab one. And that it was that day that I was like, wait, somebody's giving me this beer for free, and I still don't want. <laughs> I still don't want to drink it. But she like, but she likes it. You know, I love and, uh, anyway, same, anyway. same, same with Hopadillo. Yeah, don't like it. No, yeah, not yeah. at all. Bell's Two Hearted Ale. Uh, I think that we're giving it a recommendation. I definitely am. Yeah, absolutely. I, just, I guess we're probably. If we all really were honest, saying that these lists of best in the country, no, best nonsense. in the world, any list kind is of nonsense. Hard to... I, I think they're not. It's not nonsense. I, I look at it as a starting point. It's a place for there me okay. to start okay. looking, and it, you know, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I just I think you're an idiot if you look at lists and you're like, that's how it is. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, there you go. Right. This is they told me you don't you don't look at the AFI top uh, 100 I was films. About to say you that. don't look at the you don't think oh this is perfect. You think oh this is a starting point. These are some yeah. things that a lot of people seem to like. Let me try these things. Are they appealing? What do I like out of these things? And then you start you go from there. Like this again, I understand why it comes to the top. I get it. But at the same time, we no. have ingenious in it's, Texas. It's not. 
<laughs> and and yeah, and we have real ale, and we have Spindle other Town. wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's wonderful breweries. So men fighting are there better films? Ooh, we'll, we'll find we'll out. We'll talk about yeah. that next. We'll talk about that next when we return. Where, if you want to give me glasses over this way, I can get your... All right, we're back. And we are going to accompany our discussion of Art of Self-Defense with another hyper-masculine film mm-hmm. that has permeated the zeitgeist. About um, 20 years ago. But it's still relevant today. Yeah, yeah, it still is. This is the quintessential film bro film <laughs> it's our first entry into david fincher david fincher's fight club yes all right so to accompany that beer wise we are going to have our second pipeworks beer we had them back just a few episodes ago on episode 45 when we were talking about high life we had their velocity of light which was an ipa mm-hmm. this is a different style beer by them uh it is an eight and a half percent Milk stout mm. with cacao nibs, Love lactose, mm. vanilla beans, and natural pistachio flavor. Pistachio. And why why I picked it is because it is called Pistachio Jones Dog. And uh, as we talked about with Art of Self-Defense, uh, there are some prominent uses of dogs in that yeah. film. So uh, I thought, This you is know, my first beer with the word pistachio is involved in it at all. I think that it's the same for me, too. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing I will say about pistachio is when I realized that I really liked pistachio was when someone presented a pistachio gelato to me and was like, here, try this. And I was like, that sounds disgusting. And they were like, no, just give it a go. Turns out pistachio gelato is one of the greatest things of all time. Had you never had even like pistachio ice cream? No, oh. I I had had a pistachio before, which I like liked. a nut, the nut, yeah, the pistachio. nut. Yeah, 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 I like, you know, <laughs> I like, I like. Oh God, <laughs> so I thought you got that out of your yours. system on the break, right? So, uh, it's barrel soul. Anyhow, whatever, definitely yeah. a uh, a dark stout here, pouring sure like is. oil, right? That's what Joe normally says. And I'm getting like a little nuttiness motor, on the nose. A lot, a lot of nuttiness on the nose. I'm yeah. pretty nutty on the nose. <laughs> Speaking of nutty on the nose, this film Fight Club. Uh, <laughs> this this film Fight Club is. I saw this in the theater, and I had never seen anything like it in my life. Okay, so I, I have such a complicated relationship with this movie because okay. it is such a good movie, and Edward Norton in almost everything he does is great. Sure. Brad Pitt's great. Uh, the meatloaf thing is great. Helena Bottom Carter is. I'm fucking over it at this point. She's the same person in every movie, but. That's interesting. This film... You you should... To that end, I think you need to see some other movies because she started her career in a very different place than where it ended up. I'm sure that's true. If you see some of her early roles pre-Tim Burton, you you would probably think... But yes, certainly once you hit Tim Burton, it kind of... I have not seen anything pre-Tim Burton. Yeah. I will admit to that. But this movie, while it is so good, it is such a quintessential... Bro. I'm a bro that's into quote-unquote film, and I understand this movie, when in reality, they miss the entire fucking point of the movie. And so because of that, the fan base has now tainted the film. I Okay, th- that's, a, that's an interesting way to think about it. Th- I rewatched this film for, for the podcast here. Um, As you would. Just, uh, just yesterday. And I think it had been probably 15 years since I had watched it most recently and i you know i had seen it in the theater and probably several times after but it's not one that i've been watching a lot in the last 15 years sure um it i think may be one of the films that has aged 
the worst. For me, I'm just saying. Like, David? I look at that. I was watching it, and I was like, holy shit. Worse this than American like Pie? If you <sighs> made Corn and Limp Biscuit into a movie that I had to watch, that's what this is. David? Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're not down with the Nookie? You didn't do it for the Nookie? I didn't do it for the Nookie. Now, I'm pr- I proudly, I resisted the rap rock moment. I proudly uh, have never done it for the Nookie. No. It was, <laughs> it was I, think, I think the Judgment Night soundtrack was Welcome as close to my, as I got to, to really 90s. flirting with that. But no, it was really like... <laughs> it's what I did it for. And, <laughs> What's wrong with you? And I loved the soundtrack back then, sure. the Dust Brothers, sure. right? These yeah. guys who had worked sure. with uh, Beastie Boys on Paul's Boutique. Right. And did they? they? They were, yeah, I've yeah. Never, I don't know anything about oh, that. He's yeah. talking snapshot. Other other than yeah. the, other than this film, I, I this is the this Fight Club. The soundtrack is the only reason I've ever heard of the Dust. Really well, and they produced a lot of stuff after, like Beck. They did one of his records. Okay. They did, you know, so they they, they were kind of guys who were doing, and they were capturing that kind of like hip hop mm-hmm. with like elements of rock mm-hmm. and heavier rock in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it Sad. was just, it was weird because I remember at the time really Can I enjoying you? it. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, Joe's had something to say. Just real quick, because I'm, uh, I, my son, mm-hmm. I have sired a, a son and a daughter, yeah. and both of them are film people. <laughs> and you I, sired? I, I sired them. <laughs> and I couldn't, I could not be more happy that I get, that my daughter is now saying, Dad, I need you to show me some old, I need, I need you yeah. to. Old Fight Club's an old film. Educate. It is. 20 Plus, years. When you're 14 years old, things are old. It's so not- uh, my son, uh, we did a Fincher thing, like yeah. a study. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, I showed him Fight Club about three to four months ago. And David, I was so excited to show it to him. And I was so disappointed in the movie. Yeah. Oh, like, okay. It, I, I completely... Agree with okay, you. Okay, okay. From the time that I saw it in the theater, yeah. I think I might have seen it once in between now and yeah. three or four months ago. This movie has not aged well. Yeah. It has not aged well. Well, it's, I think it's, you know, it's. I'm so what, sad I didn't watch it what's as recently as you two did. What's interesting is, you know, watching it in comparison with Art of Self Defense, mm-hmm. that these are films that are, they're asking similar questions, mm-hmm. they're interested in similar things. However, what happens yeah. two different time periods and what happens in Fight Club is it it lets you fall in love if you want to with the hypermasculinity. And it's all about this like fetishization yeah. of the hypermasculinity. And yes, I guess the end of it is trying to say like, well, he got in his own head and it's yeah. all crazy well, and there's you know like right. this is not the way. Mm-hmm. But I mean that's such a bunk kind of it doesn't Afterthought, undo what's yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't undo what's been done. But the so, movie, the movie's, I, I, you Carlos, know, I cede to you. No, no, no you're okay. I, I told you guys before we started, and then I fucking forgot already that I wanted to start the discussion oh, yes, of this film yeah. with a singular sentence, right. and then you guys could just go and do right, what right. whatever. What's the sentence? Well, I fucked up already because we started talking about it and I didn't say it. But <laughs> well, you what, can just edit it back. <laughs> what I what I was gonna say Monotone. is that the art of self defense is the film that is fixing Fight Club. Yeah, yeah, it fixes it. You know, uh, and I really, I, I really believe that to be true. And I'm also so upset that I didn't watch this as recently as you two did, because my memory of it 
is a, a very well executed yes. film. Yes, that clever as hell. That's clever, yeah. and it has this very kind and of anti capitalist. It is. Clever. It has it this is. very. An- it, it it is a lampoon of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. It is laughing in its face sure. if you are reading it the correct way. Yeah. But that the problem with it is that, as David said, it lets you bask in it and glorify it well, and the, love it in a way. The problem is, is that they're folding two different critiques together, right? There's the critique of, of toxic masculinity, hypermasculinity, and there's the critique of capitalism and consumerism. Which and are similar problems. They are, but the extent. problem is, is that the Ed Norton figure, the narrator who never yeah. gets named, who we end up realizing is Tyler Durden, right? Like, that, Ooh, hold on, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen it. Um, that figure is the one that we're supposed to despise. And we're never supposed to come back around to thinking that the consumerist capitalist uh, mode is something redeemable and that we're going to be happy with, right? And yet what gets folded into that is his lack of masculinity and his inability yeah. to perform as a man. And so Tyler Durden becomes this figure that sort of like draws out this masculine energy in him. Yeah. And, but then also becomes the thing that disrupts capitalism. So it's like, do you know, th- this film is kind of like... Does hyper-masculinity disrupt capitalism and fix capitalism? Or is capitalism... No, it's totally fix that complicit. Can't... The reality yeah. Yeah. is it's totally complicit with it. Well, no, but the, the way it's presented fantasy in the fantasy yeah. is that it, they are diametrically opposed and that yeah. if men just just like sort of reach back into themselves. It's an alt-right story. Yeah. I mean, I seriously watching this and it, sadly, I, I got to say I was doing not that long ago this reading up on, you know, the Proud Boys and all this no. stuff and which is some of the most reprehensible, stupid. Yeah. But this is I don't know what for, you're talking about. Well, this Whoa! is <laughs> For real? Look, it, well, don't don't. Do you know the boys? You don't know the Proud Boys. That's a Duran song, right? You don't know the Proud Boys? Yeah, no. no. They're white. Su- they're white supremacists. They are all right. Right. Fucking. I don't read a lot about white supremacy. It's not a thing I'm interested it, in. It is a sect of the alt right. It's not anything any of us are interested. in. Right. I don't know. It's a sect of the alt right that's basically saying like men are being prevented from being white men in particular are being prevented from being men because of women a politically correct exactly like we're pretending that women are equals. No, women are. They're the masters of the home, and men are the masters of the workplace and the, and the, the public world, sphere yeah. and all that. And like we're the leaders, and you know, so they're the worst. And that's that's what this film is doing. This yeah. film is like men are supposed to be out here fighting it out and being men and not doing this stupid like buying IKEA. Ikea, Ikea furniture out of the Love catalog. Love Ikea furniture. <laughs> Fuck you. It's hey, come on. You're, you're it, our biggest capitalist critic on the it's podcast. It's affordable and it's easy to put together. I no, love no, a dachshund. I, How dare you tell me that's I the wrong breed to enjoy. Yeah. My first so, dog was a dachshund. It's just, it's weird those things get folded together so neatly in this film. And I don't remember. Like, it was, I was not as woke then, I guess. Yeah, I don't my, know. my memory of it is not in the same way. But now that you're talking about it, and because that. it's been so long, I mean, it's been years and years and years and years since I've seen it, mm-hmm. that you're right. Like, Tyler Durden's character is the, like, correction of capitalism yeah. in the way the film's presented. Oh, absolutely. And that is very problematic. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. No, he does make soap, <laughs> so, uh, you know, which that's is pretty a, hippie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but then again, you find out it's actually like so for a bomb. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, 
there, the movie I said earlier, Carlos, I, I said, it's so clever. And, and isn't it still clever? It is still clever. I mean, it is. It's got it is. A, no, there's it's, some it's great got technique there. Believe me, David Fincher mm-hmm. is a great filmmaker. Masterful. Technically, he's got great skills. I mean, he has good impulses. There's some really interesting editing work that goes in goes on in this film. Totes. The color palette. <laughs> the color palette is really um, uh, restrained, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's very gray and blue. And there's some interesting filmmaking. Yeah. There's there, some. There, there's some. Great filmmaker. Yeah, there, there's there are these impulses in there that sure. I can understand, and that I still understand why I like them so much at the time. The 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 the, the big thing about uh, Fight Club for new and then second time viewers is when you watch it the second time, you realize the game that they were playing on you the first time that you watched right. it, and and, and that Tyler Durden appears in the film, and you uh, it's the, such a the great big thing. twist at the end. You you could have figured out if you had really been paying attention. But I like that part of the yeah, puzzle piece. That's such a great movie going experience. Certainly. Is You're when right. you see a film. That's what I remember in that theater. Where the, yeah, where there's a reveal, he, and then when me. you go back and watch it, and I mean, like, you know, it's not just mm-hmm. with film. I mean, uh, before season, the uh, very unfortunate mm-hmm. season eight of Game of Thrones came out, my wife and I rewatched the whole series, okay. and from episode one, there's foreshadowing, okay. like yeah. right from the get. And it, like when you watch that masterful storytelling where it's like we've been telling you this whole time it's been right under your nose the whole time you just didn't pay attention like that is a really enjoyable thing to experience and it's uh, the payoff and all that kind of stuff um but yeah the this thing about the masculinity as being the cure for capitalism is very upsetting to me but one thing i will say i said earlier that the dust brothers the only reason i know them is because of the soundtrack for this film when i saw it God, now that I'm talking about it, I'm realizing how long it's been since I've seen this movie because the last time I saw this movie was before I was really paying attention to soundtracks and composers and those kinds of things. So, God, that must have been like seven, eight years ago. But Mondo released this soundtrack on vinyl. Oh, yeah. And in order to access the record... You had to literally tear the cover in half. <laughs> like they made it so that the packaging was totally sealed. Right. Not by shrink wrap, but by the packaging itself. And uh-huh. there was a thing in the middle that you literally had to tear in half Ru- ruin in it. order to yeah, you had to ruin the packaging in order to get to the wow. record, which right. is brilliant. Right. But it's not That's as good. Why you good. buy two copies? It's not as good now that you had to be macho and fight somebody to get to it. <laughs> I don't. I don't care for that yeah. at all. Quite I mean, frankly, the, the, in terms of redemption, you know, you you already mentioned that you know Edward Norton, g- great actor, and and he really does justice. He to acts the role. his ass off in this movie. Brad Pitt, especially, he was having ripped. just seen him in. Uh, well, he was, but in a in a different way. It's funny because that was like you know whatever, uh, probably late twenty something Brad Pitt, yeah. where he's like got he's a little more thin, he's shredded. And yeah, he's he's got that kind of. Yeah. Now he's like a little beefier, kind of yeah. ripped. Uh, when, um, when he took his shirt off at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I was like, Were you titillated? No, I was. He's older than me. I could sure. accomplish this, perhaps. No, but that, no. but I'm saying, but but <laughs> you, you know, don't have the time. But yeah. it's true. Yeah. It's you know, not my or, job. Or the personal trainers, or the kind of diet. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not my job. Yeah, right. I understand. It is his. Yeah, it is. It is definitely his. But he, uh, he was he was good then. I remember this being one of those roles, along with like Twelve Monkeys and stuff that He's like so started making me th- think, oh, Brad Pitt is more than just like the pretty right. face actor that all the women are it's, flocking to the theaters to see. You would say that Fight Club, 
would be his and Sahara boys. <laughs> Good God! <laughs> well, it's year? been a long time since we've had a. You need that. <laughs> what year did uh, Usual Suspects come out? Can anyone? Ninety nine. Uh, I think. No, no, earlier. And it's Fight more Club, like 95, 94. What's, what's Fight Club? 94? 99. 99. Okay, Fight so Club was ninety. Usual Suspects came out pre Fight Club. Yeah, easily. Okay. Five there, there's a movie that plays games with you that if you had been paying attention. Uh, yeah, blah, that's blah, a great blah. example. Yeah. And, and 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 but but when you watch Usual Suspects today, you're watching a stellar film still. I yeah. Mean, I mean the the, the storytelling. Right. It holds up. The 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 the. Unveiling of Brian the, of the game, yeah. Fight Club. At the end, I, I turned to my son and said, "Well, what, I, I had piped this up. Yeah. What, what did you think?" And he was like, He's "Like, Dad, this is one of those times goes, you failed me. Dad, goes, this is very problematic." <laughs> he goes, "He goes, meh. You know, he goes, meh. Good, good. But, but with, did he, did he I, actually say meh? No, he didn't. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad that's the that one that word was... uh, summary for the for the surface for yeah. the." Uh, Honestly, I'm a little worried about Fincher in general. Now, you saw some other films of his that... Uh, Fincher? Yeah. You said you did it with No, Hunter, but I mean with Hunter. Study. You were doing oh, a Fincher Oh, yeah, yeah, study. yeah. We did, a, we did a thing. Were there were, were there any that really did work with him? or because I was Social th- Network. Social oh, Network yes, holds yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, Alien 3, we both agree, is horrible. You know? Okay. okay. I, I thought you were about to say the opposite I've of that. Heard some, re- I've heard some <laughs> no. recuperative stuff. I need, well, there's some yeah. director's cuts and stuff. We didn't go yeah. that deep into the But the uh, um, Benjamin Button? We have not watched. We didn't, I, I don't know why, <laughs> but we didn't watch that. I don't That's, know why. Because I, I was thinking about it. I know that he, Pitt, and Fincher have worked together a few times. And I was like, oh, I can't re- even remember if I liked Benjamin Button the first time. I thought time. Benjamin Button was a I've big seen waste of time. It okay. seems dumb. Um, well, you haven't seen it? No. Well, yeah, Panic yeah. Room I remember liking at Panic the time. Panic Room is so good. I need to watch okay. that again. I haven't rewatched it, but my initial reading of Panic Room was, and I've seen it multiple yeah. times. I watched it a lot when I was younger. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. probably one of the first like grittier films. Mm-hmm. And I, did, I didn't even know who oh. David Fincher was at the time. But right. I remember seeing it, and I think... Zodiac. I think it stuck with me because of the Dwight Yoko thing because my mom was oh, a big Dwight yeah. Yoakam fan and he was in it. And Have I was you seen like, Sling Blade? Uh, no, God. fuck no. Oh, but, uh, what are you talking about? Why would you say fuck no to a movie you've never seen? You can't just, be that. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. But what you Dwight Yoakam is really good in that. Yeah, I have not seen Sling Blade, Sling Blade is a but I am open to Dwight Yoakam's performance. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a good actor. But dude, I mean, but he's Good in yeah, panic, yeah, room. yeah, like yeah. really good. That's okay, thing. that's there good. See, I get. I, need, I feel watching this film again. It made me feel like I need to revisit some of those other Fincher mm-hmm. films because panic I, rooms. Underrated. I have liked them throughout the years. Mm-hmm. I was worried though that oh, if I go back to these, am I going to see these kind of <laughs> no, no, no. kind of problems? Fight Club is special. I it's think it a, is. I think you're right movie. because I look back on Zodiac and I remember. I think I'll still like that when right. I return to it. Because I'll, I'll put this on the record. I mean, I to me, <laughs> oh, uh, uh, here, here, here very me official. Yeah. To me, I do not like the idea of watching a movie made 20, 30, 40 years ago through a different social lens. I don't think it's fair to the film. They made that movie then when the things that when the when the ideas that they were putting forth were proper to put out. American Pie, a, a film Carlos that you bring up time and time again, aged terribly. It really did. There's a lot Terribly. of rapey, rapey shit in there. Yes, and that is not okay. <laughs> now, why was it acceptable at the time? We're not going to have that conversation now. Okay. But Fight Club was acceptable at the time. Fight Club was a hit at the time. Fight Club was it's a still a hit. Though. Fight Club was an indie film hit at the time. It was, and, and that's indie. the language it wasn't of indie. Was it? That was the no. first. That was the first Fincher for a lot of people. 
Well, he, but seven was before that. Seven, oh, you're seven right. was huge. Seven, you're right. Seven Talk, holds up. Talking about Brad seven Pitt and, and Seven. And, and yeah, the game, about Brad Pitt the game was pretty big. The, the, game I, the game I've seen recently and like a lot so, still. But th- this one stands out. And, and honestly, I think that's where it kind of goes. And I have never read this so guy's stuff. So what's my stuff, problem with the Fight Club? Chuck Palahniuk, from what I understand, uh, okay. right? Is that, am I Chuck, pronouncing that? Chuck Palahniuk. Palahniuk, right? The, the author. No yeah, he, Palahniuk, yeah. He, he's the author. He's the one who mm-hmm. wrote the book that mm-hmm. it's based on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and from what I understand, I've seen one other adaptation of one of his other books. Uh, he Which has one? this very, oh, God, it was with Sam Rockwell. I love uh, that already. Uh, yeah, hold on. God, what was anyway, it? Anyway. Anyway. Go on. God, stupid beers. Stupid beers. They made me forget that. Choke. Oh, yeah. Oh, the movie Choke. Yeah, yeah. Never saw it. So... Anyway, I think I think that might be. I, I'd have to look at that. I mean, from what I've under, what I understand, apparently he has the a very book's much different. Masculinist. Well, I, but I think it's the messages are there. Okay. I think that, I think some of what the problem that we all seem to have with it. I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. Joe. That like, is it fair to view these films through a 2020 lens mm-hmm. or a 2019 lens when it was made 20 years ago? I'm not going to fault D.W. Griffith for intolerance. Not necessarily, I'm, but I, I'm going to. Yeah, no, I, <sighs> I'm going but to. I, I think it is fair to an extent i think there are times where i will give it a break but i look at that i look at this and i'm like no this this was in some ways part of the problem then it's it's going to be part of the problem now unless i start talking about okay here's as a moviegoer that saw fight club in the theater when it first came out you didn't have that problem no here's okay but Joe, that, that, that's what, I, I don't know. No, 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 but Joe, I didn't have problems with a lot of things then yeah. that I should have. That's I, was gonna what s- I, I mean, I've grown as a person. <laughs> no, I was going to say. I was going to say that. Joe, but a film is a snapshot of a moment. Yeah. The film's not growing alongside with no, no, you. No, no, no. no but Joe, I'm. But I'm on. not going to be 19 forever. No, here's and uh, here's the, that's good. Here's the thing. Joe, I think but forty-year-olds went and liked it too. Joe, fifty-year-olds, go ahead. They I think I, I think I think you present an interesting point, especially in your um, mention of D.W. Griffith, because I agree with you. I'm watching you talk to me drunk right now. <laughs> Same. Go I'm ahead. talking to you drunk right Please. now. I think that beer in a movie, folks. <laughs> second episode. <laughs> I think that your statement about a film being a snapshot of a time is accurate, and I think that that's a very fair statement and position. However. I think that there are things that color our perception of films that make them play differently in certain times. It was Birth of a Nation, an incredible piece of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Did it completely change cinema forever? Yes, it did. Mm -hmm. Nothing about the content of that film is going to change the fact that that film ushered in... That was the film in, that would have been made at that time period. Well, but that film also ushered in the modern style of editing. Like, mm-hmm. it changed so much about the way that films are made and presented in a very important way that we would not have the films that we have now without that movie. But does that mean that I have to like it and then I have to be able to sit through and watch it and enjoy it? Of course no, not. Because of course it's not. abhorrent. Of course not. And the same way that American Pie mm-hmm. ushered in a certain style and genre of comedy that we went on to enjoy. It didn't I usher mean, in. It was a repeat of what we had seen I mean, a decade, to, two decades, I mean, to three a, decades. To a certain extent, but it, you know, it. Yeah, but it upped to Annie and it brought, you know, it was mainstream and it was, you know, all this stuff. And like, even we can attribute Blockers, which is a very woke 2018 mm-hmm. teen sex comedy that owes a lot to American Pie. And we can give American Pie the credit for what it did, but we can also look back at it and say, like, ooh, this is very problematic. This is not okay. 
And I think they but, fall but off. it did but it did a lot with the soundtrack the same way that like Breakfast Club and some of those movies before it had mm-hmm. done and it's not to necessarily discredit the merit of filmmaking that went into those films especially when we're talking about Fight Club the filmmaking that is present in this movie is you know very good it is worth noting I mean it's worth paying attention to even 20 years later but it doesn't mean that we have to like the themes and the things that are presented in it. You know what I mean? So there, so there's a difference between. But I think that I, I guess I'm talking about the day that it's released in the theater versus the day 40, 30, 20 years later that we watch it again. We choose not to watch it again because we don't align with those themes today. That's different than saying back then they should have known better. Well, no, 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 they no. wouldn't have known better. I'm, I'm not saying that they should have known better necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean. Because you're right, it is a snapshot of the time. Like there are a lot of things that right. are present in films that are right. not okay now, and yeah. that we think like, oh, okay, I can't believe people thought that way mm-hmm. back then. I mean, Birth of a Nation is still somewhat taught in school, like film it schools, is, but but you put it in the proper context. Correct. Yeah, exactly, talk, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not discrediting the merit of the filmmaking in Fight Club or anything else. Yeah. But I mean, Manhattan's hard to watch now. Not for me. <sighs> Man, for me, oh, it's tough. I, I can totally separate art and artist. I, I just can. I can. Yeah, but do that, it. but that of all. The oh, films. you're talking about the plot point of yeah. her being so young. Yeah. Wait, I mean, I can separate art from artist in a lot of situations, but the fact that it's a Woody Allen film, yeah. which Woody I, Allen is starring in, which I mean, he's dating I, an underage girl, uh, knowing what I know why about am Woody I so Allen special? now, I cannot I, watch. I that I get film. where you're coming from, Joe, and there's part of me that. Yes. I can still I, watch any how, how old is she in the movie? Mur- 16. Muriel Hemingway? 16. And he's 40 or whatever. She's in high school. Yeah. yeah. He, I mean, it, uh, there, there are times when, in retrospect, you realize, okay, that was... That was bad. So what is, what, what, hold, 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 hold bad. on, what year did Manhattan come out? We should have 78? I think, I think it was 80. Yeah, something like yeah. that. In 1980. 80, yeah. In 1980. That... I can't believe we're on this rabbit hole, but okay. The, it's the, an important the, rabbit hole. There wasn't a furor over that, was there? No. But then, but the Soon Yi stuff hadn't, hadn't happened. Forget there the Soon Yi stuff. Well, it is either correct no, 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 or no. incorrect no, 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 for you, a 30 to 40 year old to date a 16 year old well, okay, all of but the it's, time. It's one thing. No, okay. Lolita. Okay, uh-huh. I can watch the Stanley Kubrick the film Lolita because with Peter he's, Sellers it's and it's, it is a fiction. Yeah, it is okay. It is incorrect for him to like someone so young. It is tough for me to justify watching a film like Manhattan, right? Where this is yes a fiction, uh-huh. but it is a fiction written by a man mm-hmm. who was doing the very things that he is writing a story about that he's trying to legitimate through that fiction. Uh, yes. I thought that he was doing it a few years later with Soon You would have been a few years later. But it, 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 it he was it's a foreshadowing of okay behavior. even worse it's he was projecting it for himself yeah. Through the fiction that well, maybe eventually it was just allowed a titillating, him. No, it was a titillating, interesting angle back then. Because that movie won all the awards. No, no, it was it was more acceptable back then. I look, it was more acceptable. It was back acceptable, then than it is or now. we were watching a standalone weirdo thing. No, 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 but no. it's okay because pe- pe- we're watching pe- art. People didn't necessarily see it as weird back then. Nobody in the film acknowledges it as weird. I don't think a lot. If of it was my daughter, I would have thought it was weird. weird. Uh, well, sure, if you personalize it that way, maybe or yeah. whatever. Uh, uh, but it's hard for you to say because you weren't a parent in 1980. Let's do Manhattan but, in an episode soon. But no, do. Uh, but <laughs> let's do it. But it's even more troubling that scared. it is a projection of his desire Ooh. to date an underage girl, to have sexual relations with an underage girl. But I'm not girl. talking about the film. Okay, hold on. Let's get but back. We, hold on. But no, Getting back but, to Fight Club, I'm not talking about 
David Fincher doing anything wrong by making the film that we now are woke to know is is yeah, it doesn't have no, a, but that's a what great we're talking thing. about though is the re- the context of the release versus Oops. the context of what we're talking about now. The context of the release of Manhattan was everyone just was like, yeah, cool, whatever. Nobody thought anything of it. Everyone loved the movie. It, you know, was greeted with a praise from audiences and critics alike, whatever. But we watch it now and it's very icky. It's very not okay because you know these problematic. Because there's more, there's a different context to it now than it was then. I'm not saying that from a technical perspective and from a storytelling perspective, Manhattan is a bad film because we know that Woody Allen does have some talent and has something as a filmmaker. But it's but it does not make that movie okay. It doesn't make the content of that film watchable in 2019. The point you seem to be making is that it seems unfair for us to view these past artistic works through the lens of now and what we know now. It's convenient now to be able to know how morally superior we right. are now and, as we and were I'm then not, when we forgave them. And my suggestion isn't that we need to now somehow go back in time and say, we should have never liked Fight Club, right? But my point is now, as a critic, as somebody who would recommend films, as somebody who would program films, as somebody who would have classes where I'd ask students to watch films, Fight Club's not going to be one of them. Because there are so many others that I could point to. Other David Fincher films, Mm -hmm. other films by other directors, other stories. And that, I think, and or to to, uh, the point of this episode, the art of self-defense. If I want to talk about masculinity and our proclivity to violence and how that works into that and all that, I would much rather show a film like The Art of Self-Defense and have a discussion about that than I would the film Fight Club. Which is exactly why I said at the top of this half of the episode... The Art of Self-Defense Fixes Fight Club. It's a commentary on a very similar aspect of society that is much more inept and suited to talk about it. Adept. Adept, yeah, sorry. It's much more more adept and suited to talk about it in an informed and intellectual way that is more accurately represented in its... The way it manifests itself and the consequences of that manifestation in our society than Fight Club was. And strangely, it puts itself in that same period almost. Like when, does, when that film was yes. being made. It's kind of funny. I did, I, that, I'm just making that connection now. Yeah. Like, but I believe that if the three of us were, were hosting a podcast when Fight Club came out, we would have all three loved it. For sure. I mean, the first time I saw Fight Club, I, mean, I thought it was great. If it was, yeah. if it was whatever, was twenty year old Dave Gurney. But I was yeah. like, I was like fifteen or something like that. You know, I was young, and it's it's the exact same way that the first time that I saw High Fidelity, I really the the character Rob Gordon mm-hmm. really resonated with me. I was like, yeah, you've read like, that book, right? I've read the book. Okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm the exact same way. Like, girls don't like me. Like, I can't seem to make a relationship work. Everything I seem to do seems to end in failure and disaster and heartbreak and sadness or whatever. You know, blah 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 blah. But then as I got older, I realized, like, wait, no, Rob Gordon's an asshole. I was an asshole, mm-hmm. and that's the reason nothing ever worked out for me. You know, does it does it mean that I don't love that movie? No, I still. How love many that movies? Movie. How many movies have we recorded on this podcast that we loved that fifteen years from now we were wrong for loving? Ooh, I mean that's, that's a good question. You know, that, that's and See, that's, that's I think, but that, but it's but it's something, but that's part of the. I think that's part of the value of art is that 
we come to it and we bring so much of Fucking what a. is you're about right. us that it's art. No, it's true. And no, we, you're right. We can like in the moment we we have the connection that we do to it. Yeah. We have the understanding that we do of it. Then we grow. and then we revisit it. The, the, and then we see the where movie it goes. stays the same. And that's what I love about well, our. We par- don't. That's right. what I love about our pairings on this podcast is that we're going back and we're revisiting these films alongside these films that we know have similar themes or similar mm-hmm. content. And we're getting to see them. And this is one of those cases where it sounds like right around the board, right across the table here, we've all had this experience where we know we've evolved. Oh, this film does similar things, but in a way that we we think are better than this film that used to seem like it did it okay for us. And so I think that's good. I mean, I think that's that's part of the value of art. Like, I don't think Fight Club is, you know something made by the devil to kill us, right? <laughs> no. I think Fight Club was a statement in its moment about masculinity and capitalism that was trying to get us to think about these things mm-hmm. in a critical way that I think in, was well-intentioned in, in many respects. I mean, I, I, I think of David Fincher, Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, many of the people involved in the project as being very thoughtful people who want to make love. good things. Meatloaf, right? What is he doing nowadays? He's um, got big boobs in that film. He does, <laughs> he does. but they're sandbags. It's yeah. not like... But uh, <laughs> but the thing... Why was he wearing sandbags? <laughs> but, Have you ever felt a boob? <laughs> So, so it's not that bag I, of sand. So it's not that I Come think on. it's reprehensible and we need to discard it, but it is. I think it's valuable to look back on it and say we've gone, we've gone beyond that. We yeah. we've moved to a point where this is no longer a valuable statement on this. It can be in its own. And you know what? Like if I was talking to a student and they were like, "Oh, I love Seven and Panic Room," blah blah blah. Should mm-hmm. I see Fight Club? I say like. Yeah. Oh yeah. As yeah. one of David Fincher's films, be you a should be a student. Be yeah. be aware that yeah. I think some of the the gender politics in it are kind of uh or make your own, or make your a little own problematic. But you know, I think it's worth seeing. Mm-hmm. Fine. But am I ever going to program it as like the greatest cinema of the 90s? No. It's not going to be it's not going to be one of my selections for that. Whew. Well, folks, we uh, it was a whole discussion. It was, but uh, oh fuck! Dude, it was it beer. was fueled by this beer. Let's here. talk about this beer for a few minutes. Pipeworks Pistachio Jones Dog. What do you guys think? And, and this is what I think: the velocity of light. I remember. Uh huh. This beer, one of the Feel. best beers we have ever had on this podcast. Ooh. Do you think that in twenty think- years you will view this beer? <laughs> I think the use of pistachio will come across as no. I don't know as what problematic. In the I, I, yeah, no. I think we it's more a, the vanilla beans. We are said being, we said yeah. at the top half, or the top of this half that uh, it's got nut on the nose. Yeah, you're a nut on the nose. No, it it's, does, it's and it does. But the flavor of this stout is remarkable. Yeah. And now I want to know everything about pipe, Pipeworks Brewing. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I. I would agree. I mean. I think that I've had a few of their beers over the years. The velocity of light was in a can. It was. Yeah. It was. This one is in a bomber. It's yeah. a twenty-two ouncer. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. I mean, just it. But what I loved is I was getting pistachio, which seems like a yep. flavor that would be really Big hard. Time. Big yeah, time. Yeah. There's really big hard. time nuts on my nose, guys. There's no more left Sorry, in that bottle, man. Joe. Sorry, we There's drained no more that. Left. I have been saving this last sip. For this yeah. part of the podcast, yeah. and hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, give me that sip, you fucking. 
<laughs> so, highest recommendation. Yeah, I'm check idiot, out Pipeworks and check out this Pistachio Jones. I wonder, you know, it's so good. One of the funny things about like uh, the, the podcast and a beer podcast is that we can all go see. Uh, we can all rent tonight Fight Club if we wanted to. We can all get video on demand of uh, Art of Self Defense if we want to. But some of these beers are just not available where some of our listeners live, and that's got to be always frustrating for them. How do you, you know? You know, I mean, like, how do you get your hands on Pipeworks if you don't live near where, where they where they brew? Uh, I, I don't. Know, you got to get your hands on this Pipeworks Brewing Company. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. Well, I actually had a friend um, that turned twenty one recently and was has listened to the podcast for. He's like, I've got to try some of these IPAs you've been talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, blah blah blah, blah. and I, I didn't know what to say to her. Yeah, I was just like, I probably can't get you any of the good IPAs luck. I've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, available at the liquor store. It's not available at the liquor store. Yeah. Unnamed delivery service. Yes, yeah, right. So. Yeah, I think I think it all boils down. So you know, you, you get your hands on what you can, and uh, and especially these things that are a little smaller batch or or more limited releases. You know, share with those around you. Bring them to the podcast. I love that. I think, the community aspect. Yeah. I think the moral of the story is that if you have an opportunity to try something new, you should take it. Yeah, absolutely. I had that conversation the other day at a at a at a beer bar that we all frequent. Mm-hmm. Go on. And it was like, um, that's my favorite beer I've ever had, but I've never had that beer. Which, which so is which your one do beer I go for? Right? No, I'm, this is somebody oh, okay. else. Like yeah, that's yeah. my favorite beer, and they and they tapology here in Corpus Christi. They Shout they out. they got this keg again, but I've never had these three beers. Which one should I go to? And the the answer for me is always the beer I've never had. The beer you've never had, yeah, always, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, for me personally, I like to start with one mm-hmm. that I know I like mm-hmm. um, oh. and that I've had before, and you know I'll enjoy that for a second, and then but then after that I don't want another pint of the same thing. I don't want another anything of the same thing. I would, I want to at that point. Okay, I've had something that I like. I've set the up a positive tone for the evening. Mm-hmm. Now I've laid my foundation down. Let me venture out. Let me yeah. see. And if I have something that I don't like. Then I can go back can, to something right. I know I always, and fix it right. or whatever, fix, you know. Right. Um, my journey, wash my journey needs taste. repair. I, I had yeah, wash, wash the terrible taste of failure from my mouth. Right. I, I, I did have a beer at said bar, and obviously it's no fault of their own. They don't make the beer there, but it tasted like a very specific cracker on the the finish and okay. it was disgusting one of one of your film students david for you reality for you carlos uh, uh, someone at the, at the store that you talk to about movies wants to see fight club is mm-hmm. that should they see it or are they gonna have to wash the terrible face of uh, taste of failure from their mouth i don't think they have to with um if the, I, our first film today <laughs> the art of self-defense it's yeah something if, okay see if it. i knew somebody that hadn't seen fight club before I would tell them to see it mm-hmm. just so I could hear what they had to say about it to know whether we should continue to be friends or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a litmus test. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 again, I what I was saying earlier, like in the right context, I could see encouraging it. If it was like, oh, should I see Fight Club just as a point blank? I would be like, well, what's what's drawing you to it? What 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 have you heard about it that you like? I mean, have you seen any David Fincher films? Have you seen yeah. what like have you, what of the '90s cinema have you watched? And then I would maybe think about it yeah so have you rewatched fight club recently uh can you pronounce the word rewatch <laughs> after having a couple of beers which i'm having trouble doing apparently uh tell us what you thought if you've seen the art of self-defense in theaters or whether you're going to catch it on video on demand 
just so you can listen to this episode of this podcast, let us know. You can find us on all of the social media channels, or the most popular ones at least. Uh, Twitter at Beer Movie Show, on Instagram at Beer and a Movie. You can find a lot of what I'm uh, drinking there on Beer and uh, the on the on the Instagram. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then, as always, you can keep up with a lot of uh, film news and a lot of other great stuff that's happening on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash beerandmovietx. As always, beerandmoviepodcast.com is our home base, and you can find a link to listen to this episode and all other past episodes there. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. Specifically subscribe so you can stay abreast about all of the new episodes that are coming out. And if you're going to rate and review us, we know you're going to give us that five-star review. But go ahead and write something in the review, not just give us the five-star rating. Uh, Let us know what you like, what you don't like, which one of us you think is uh, the most handsome, and... (laughs) Let us know what you want to see more of in the future. Uh, we love doing those themed episodes and stuff. And I know I say that, you know, when when I go back and listen to these episodes, I always say, like, oh, we love doing those themed episodes. We haven't done a themed episode We haven't episode done in one in a long time. We I say to. it a lot, and we haven't done it. Right. So we definitely need to do that. Yeah, to, suggest uh, some themes, folks. S- suggest some themes. We're, we're just so indecisive. There's just such a vast world of film out there right, that it's right. very difficult well, to... Well, our format has become new release and then some kind of companion, and yeah. we've had a lot of really nice new releases lately. A lot of good new releases lately. Summer does that. So, but, you know, eventually we'll fall into a lull and we'll take some of your advice on themed episodes, and, um, yeah, that, uh, I think, wraps it up. Send us some beer. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I mentioned that last episode, but send us some beer. If you do that, if there is a beer in your area that is not in our area that right. you think we need to try that you think is exceptional excellent a brewer that is particularly killing it right now send it to us this is not a one-way street we will send you something back that is also very exceptional i would also like to shout out i didn't do it on the last episode but my boy pete uh went to high tower brewing tried to bring us back some beer and i very much commend his effort uh-huh. but it just so happened that their next bottle release was the day he was flying back oh, to corpus well, so he was go. not able but he brought me a hat well thanks for trying to pete. Uh, so so pete You're almost thank awesome, you very pete. much uh no he he's awesome he's pretty <laughs> good just yeah. a joke Everybody outside well. of the podcast he's 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 been a very dear pal of the store so I right on remember. this episode brought to you by uh <laughs> but yeah until next time this has been beer in a movie Kick with your fists and punch with your feet.